Hi and welcome to Personal Finance with Full Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 21, an introduction to long-term care, which is something that you, you might not think about too often, but it's one of those things which, if you have to deal with it, really is one of the areas that's potentially littered with unexpected costs and almost demands that you become a, an instantaneous expert while you're simply dealing with the everyday adjustments placed upon you and your family, given that almighty lifestyle upheaval uh, presented to you and your loved ones in that instance. So we'll try and make all that easier to tackle when we get stuck into the subject in just a minute. It's essentially our mission with this show to make every financial issue that you might come across in the course of your life just easier to understand and work through. As I said, this is episode 21. And if you just found us now, first of all, thank you for doing so. And after you finish this one, check out our previous shows because there's an ever-growing wealth of information on everything from mortgages to pensions, redundancies to investments, insurances to inheritances. And just recently, a really on-point start to the year, we've been clearing Christmas debt and bill busting, trying to save you money on the stuff you pay for every month. They all work on their own as standalone features, but have a listen to them all when it suits you, however it suits you. And then if you'd be kind enough to rate and review us, we'd be very grateful. Hit subscribe as well, and that way you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop, and you'll be right up to date. For our back catalogue of money advice shows, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Ellis. With me, as always, the star of our show here is Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now, the good news is, uh, as a nation, uh, as a world, I guess, we're living longer on average. The downside to that is um, we're more likely to require looking after at some stage professionally, uh, and those costs can be crippling, can't they? I mean, you, you do hear of people losing homes to pay for care, and sometimes that expense can be passed on to, to kids, to offspring, and they can have a really tough time of it as well. Maybe Logan Drum was right. Maybe we should bump off everybody at 30. Give us an idea. What, what's the average annual cost for someone being in full-time care? Bearing in mind, full-time care can mean in your own home as well or, or somewhere else like a residential home. That's it. People are living longer. At, at present, they estimate that one in two people currently over the age of 65 will end up in a nursing home. So the chances if you reach that age are, are quite high. So it's more likely you will than, than won't if you get to 65 and, and beyond. For, for the population as a, a whole, I think they reckon that about one in four will end up in a care home at some point in time. But they do think that will rise to, to about one in three going forward. But according to the Money Advice Service, the average cost of a full-time place in a residential care home is between thirty and £40,000 a year. Wow. Um, now, this can rise to 50000 for full-time care at your own home. But I, I know of care homes where folk are paying about £1,000 a week. So yeah. it can be quite an expensive thing. Yeah, you want to check granny into the backpackers hotel or something instead, don't you? That would, <laughs> that would take the, the cost. Of, no, it's a serious issue, I know. And it's one that affects my own family. It's a lot of money, this, that you're talking about. Surely the, the, there has to be some type of help available. There is. And, and the, 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 fund, the government funding depends on where about in the UK you're based. So there's different funding rules in, in all four countries of the United Kingdom. The, the amount that you receive also depends on what capital you, you have. So, for example, in, in England and Northern Ireland, if you've got more than 23,250, you wouldn't get any local authority funding. So that's the, the kind of upper limit there. You might still get NHS funded nursing care. Mm. Um, it's paid for at a flat rate. In England, it's um, £183.92 per week. In Scotland, if you've got less than £18,000, then 
you would get assistance. If you've got over 28,500, again, in Scotland, you wouldn't get any local authority funding. They have this uh, upper limit and lower limit. And if you're in between, you would have to contribute something to it. Mm -hmm. I've got a really good fact sheet that, that details what the current limits are in each of the, the countries in the United Kingdom at the minute. So um, if anyone wanted that, it, it's quite good for just explaining all these sort of figures in, in more detail as well. And we can we can get that to you. We'll give you contact details at, at the end of today's show. What do they consider as capital? It's assessed by the local authorities, isn't it? So what, what do they consider as capital? Yeah, the, the sort of things that they would look into would be sort of property is often one of the main ones, um, although that's sometimes disregarded in, in certain circumstances. Money that's held in bank or building society accounts, investments, premium bonds. If you've got money in cash, they would take that into account as well. They also take into account any benefits someone receives. So that, that's the sort of things that they look at when they're assessing someone's capital. Uh, is there anyone that's exempt from uh, assessments like that? Yeah, so, some people that's got long-term complex health needs can sometimes qualify for free social care. And it's arranged and funded by the NHS. Okay. Um, I think it's worth a, a deeper dig on, on the property rules here, Phil. So your property, you said, could be considered as part of your capital, but maybe not. So what are the various exemptions on that? If you get care at home, they wouldn't take the property into account right. if that was the case. Whereas if you're in residential care, they usually would, although they, they may... If some they may discount the property you're at home, if you've got a spouse or partner right. who lives in the property, if you've maybe got a, a relative who's over sixty staying there, or also also if there's a child under sixteen, that would be the sort of scenarios where they they maybe wouldn't be taking the the property into account. Some some of the other things that that they don't take into account as well. Some capital is disregarded, for example, certain types of capital investment bond. Now, I've in, in the past, I've seen some people set up investments. Now, they usually they're, they're not set up to avoid the care home costs, but if, if an investment has an element of life insurance attached to it, they, when the council assess it, that's often classed as like a a life insurance policy. So it's really an investment, but that that's one where I have seen people putting money into those and you need a good reason to put the, the money in. I mean, for, for the, there's what's called deliberate deprivation. So if the council could prove that you did this just to try and get away with, with care home costs, that's where they, they could challenge it. But if, if someone puts money into a capital investment bond. Um, I mean, an, an example, some of the companies that do these, Aviva, Prudential, Standard Life, there's a very small element of life insurance attached to it, and it, it's minimal. But because of that, when the councils, they, there's what's called, it's called the, the CRAG report, which stands for Charging for Residential Accommodation Guide. And the councils go by this guide when they're assessing it. And at, at the moment, certainly, capital in what they class as a, a capital investment bond. But if it's got that element of life insurance, that's disregarded. So it's try to look at ways to, to kind of safeguard your money because you end up with two people in a home. One could have a lot of savings. The other could have nothing. They're both essentially getting the same level of care, but you've maybe got one getting it all paid for by the state and the other one paying 
for the bulk of it them, themselves. It's uh, it's an unfair system. We'll come on to that in just a second. Uh, I suppose, though, if we're talking about, I mean, nobody wants to lose their house. Um, many uh, see it as the asset that they'll they'll pass on to their their loved ones when they go. Um, so <laughs> when you're talking about tips or workarounds for, for sort of trying to hang on to the home and, and not have it being lost, you can't be seen to have those tips or workarounds because that comes into your deliberate deprivation situation, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. Like a, a lot of people think that they can gift their property away. So if, if you're thinking of giving your home away, for example, to a child or another relative, it may still be counted in the means test. This is because the local authority might see that as a deprivation of assets. So if, if they do see it as that someone's deliberately gifting something away, this deliberate deprivation comes into account and that's when they can challenge that. Um, I have seen solicitors in the past, like I, the, there was one that, that I know that said to someone, it's like, oh, don't worry, they just transfer it over. The council's never challenged it in the past. But mm. I don't know, for me, that's not great advice because... What if they do challenge it yeah. in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, there has been some talk I know about sort of capping care costs, at least for some parts of the UK, Phil. Um, nothing firm as yet. It's been delayed a farewell, this idea, hasn't it? I know it has. I mean, they going back, it was back in, I think, 2014 that yeah. they've been speaking about, about this, and it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. So at, at the moment... That, well, there was plans to, to cap the, the care costs for residents in England and Northern Ireland, but it was meant to come in this year. But again, a, a lot of the times, the, or sorry, it was meant to come in last year, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of the times they'll uh, use COVID as an excuse or other things as an excuse for, for pushing it back. Yeah, there, and there's going to be an absolute logjam with, with other business in Parliament know, as well, isn't it? The, the other thing as well is like, as... I mean, the, counting the cost of the pandemic, I mean, it's going to be a big cost on, on society. And I, I don't know, like, the, the government are going to be looking at ways, I mean, the, the cost of care, all the baby boomers are coming through just now. So in years to come, there's going to be an awful lot more people in care homes or needing care. And it's like, how do you pay for it? That, that's a thing. Mm. And then we've got this massive cost of, you've got things like Brexit, you've got the, the, the COVID. So I, I guess like proposed changes to the care system, who knows when it'll... Could be in the back burner again, couldn't it, really? I know. Going, going back to, like you, you were saying, like some of the tips for, for kind of maybe hanging on to your property or, hmm. or hanging on to your, your assets. One, one thing that I've seen some folk do in the past is set up what's called a family protection trust. Now, again, you, you need reasons why you're setting up this trust. If you were to turn around and say, right, I just want to do this to try and put my assets into a trust to avoid care costs, then again, it could could be easily challenged by the, yeah, the yeah. authority. But pe- people will set up family protection trusts. So they'll, they'll put maybe their property in a trust. Some of the reasons that they'll do this, I mean, the, one of the side benefits is to try and avoid the, the care home costs. But some of the reasons might be to, to try and avoid executory costs, to stop children inheriting at the wrong time, might be for, for inheritance tax purposes, there's also what's called sideways disinheritance. So you maybe don't want um, some of your kids' ex-husbands or wives okay. claim, claim to, to things. So there, there's usually a good reasons why someone can put their assets into a, a trust. Um, but the, the family protection trust is, is something that some companies can set up. And, and that's often quite a good way of trying to like 
not hide your assets, but put them into a trust so that the, the local authority would find it very difficult to get their hands on it to pay for your care costs. Okay, uh, good tip there. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the subject of long-term care is something that you, you might never consider right up until you have to. And then at that moment, it almost automatically demands that you become an expert. So um, there are tips here, Phil. Let's take people through w- what they are. Um, there's one here that says, arrange a lasting power of attorney, an LPA. What does that mean exactly? Yeah, a, a lasting power of attorney, what, what that does is putting, putting that in place. Um, it gives you peace of mind um, that someone can look after your affairs should you be incapable of, of doing that. There, there's two types of lasting power of attorney. There's a, a personal welfare one and a property and financial affairs one. So I, I would definitely recommend people, I mean, we, we've done previous podcasts on wills and, and how that's important, but having a, a power of attorney in place is, is just as equally as important, mm. I feel. So quite often it's it's uh, maybe like the, the oldest member, or the oldest child, for instance, or, uh, you know, my, my wife has power of attorney for both her mum and dad's affairs. Um, there was something, you mentioned there are two types there. There was something in the news the other week there about um, uh, a woman who tried to remove her mum from an English care home because she wanted to come. She was a registered nurse and she wanted her mum to come home so she could pass away at home. And the the nursing, the home would not let her remove her mother um, because she only had one kind of power of attorney. And I think it was, I I can't remember which way around that would be, but basically the, the home held the other power of attorney and therefore were legally within their rights to maintain that the mother had to stay where she was. Um, yeah. which I imagine they bow down to public pressure in the end, but it just goes to show the sort of legalities that you can get caught up in in that instance. Definitely. Let's move on to, to this one. Check your eligibility for NHS funding. I'd say that there may be some people, I mean, if, if someone's got a disability or, or complex medical problems, they, they might have sort of needs there that they might be able to get some some extra support. So it's definitely worth trying to find out what sort of funding is available, maybe through the NHS or, or any other kind of funding that's out there, but that, that's always something worth looking into as well. Uh, this one is uh, a similar situation where it says, uh, look into claiming any benefits that you might be entitled to. What sort of sort of things we're looking at there? Uh, different things there. I mean, there, there's certain non-means-tested benefits that, that people can, can apply for, things like attendance allowance, um, that helps to pay the, the extra costs of having someone to, to look after you if you're disabled, as well as, um, I think the other one's personal independence payment, PIP. So so things like that can mm. help you with care costs if your health needs are, are great enough. Of course, there's this, there's this mental um, thing here where we sit here thinking of people that might be going to long-term care as generally being older. Uh, and it's a bit like assuming that people that fought in wars are, are now 75 and and, and older. It, it, you know, it's not that. It, it can affect any age at any time, I suppose. Um, here's another one. Get to know the available options. What do you mean by that? Let's say if, if you're self-funding your care, it's important to understand all the options available to you. So some people taking funds from, from savings, investments could be an option. Some people look to, to downsize or or even maybe look at um, an equity release. That, that's like a, a lifetime mortgage. That's that's mortgages designed for people over the age of 55, 60, um, where they can release equity from their, their property. Usually with that type of mortgage, they're normally repaid in full if someone goes into, to long, uh, into a care home. Another option could be entering in a, a deferred payment agreement with your local authority, um, whereby they, they lend you the money you need, um, which can 
delay repaying until you decide to sell your property. So there's options there to, to kind of look into as well. Okay, I, I don't want to get sort of um, you know bogged down in a quagmire of, of things because we could and go on for, forever. But it just crossed my mind there as you were saying, um, getting to know the available options. If you are self-funding your care, what are the in, in broad terms? What are the basic ramifications that would have upon your income tax? Can you can you write any of that off? But the the way that it work, I mean, you, usually if someone's funding it themselves, the the bulk of it will come out of kind of like savings and the, their assets, investments, you, you didn't have, you, you would still have sort of income tax to pay if, if you were a taxpayer. Right. Um, so there's no, there's no kind of like difference there. Right. Okay. Um, your insurance policies, check those. Yeah. Well, that's good advice at any time, I suppose. I know it might be, I mean, if, if someone's got like, if, if they end up in a home, if they suffered a critical illness or they've maybe got a terminal illness Sometimes they, they might have insurance policies that would pay out in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll tend to find most life insurance policies have got terminal illness cover included in them as well, whereby if you suffer a terminal Ill- illness, usually as long as it's not within the last sort of year or so of the policy, it would normally pay out early. So again, somebody might end up in a, a care home, but they could maybe use the proceeds of that type of policy to, to pay the, the costs of it. In, in the past, people used to take out long-term care insurance, but um, that sort of options don't exist anymore. That, that used to be something that was never something that I, I've saw many people kind of doing, but they, it's definitely worth checking. Presumably the, idea, the idea of that was you, you paid something every month and in the event of you going into long-term care, it would have, it would have paid out. That's right, yeah. yeah. But, um, they, they are, they, that policies aren't available anymore, but you may still have some people that's got them from, from previous days gone by. Okay. Uh, make sure you understand the costs involved. <laughs> Our family's already paying some of these, so I'm not sure that I understand them, but yeah, carry on. That, that's it. Like I, I pro- produced that rough guide. Just really, I mean, there's huge differences between the regions and the UK, depending on where someone stays. And it is, I mean, that, that'll impact on ultimately what somebody has to pay. So definitely worth looking into that. Understanding what your care might cost, where you live, that'll help you more like effectively to plan for the future as well. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose um, when it says understanding the cost involved, you, you mentioned the differences between the authorities. It's the sort of thing where um, you could perhaps be stung if, for instance, you know, a parent goes into a, a home uh, in D side, and then you think, well, look, you know, that's miles away from where we live. Let's let's move mum down to a home in the borders. There, there could be differences between the local authorities and the way that they assess things, especially if you're moving between different countries. Yeah. And I mean, if, if yeah. someone was moving between, say, Scotland and England, or vice versa, correct? Yeah, that's yes. it. The way they work it out is also so different. Something to bear in mind. Uh, and the last one, well, you know, uh, start planning as early as possible. It's uh, it's a difficult one, that, because you, you just never know, do you? I know. That's it. No, nobody likes to think about the possibility of requiring long-term care in later life, but putting money aside just in case is a sensible option. And that that's the sort of thing that a financial advisor can can work with people to, to do, um, create and have a bus plan for funding in the, the future. Um, and then that includes potential care needs. So, um, again, it gives pe- people peace of mind that they're protected should that happen. Uh, one, one other thing I would always say as well is like discuss things with your family. I mean, it, it is long-term care can be an expensive necessity, um, especially if you're planning on 
paying the entire cost yourself, but it, it can have a big impact on inheritance that's left behind for your family. So it, it, for me, that's something that, that I would always encourage people to do is to, to sort of make sure they take the time to discuss their plans with the family. It always it always comes back to that for us, isn't it? Somewhere in an episode, we think, right, uh, <laughs> directly after recording this, I must make an appointment with a financial <laughs> advisor. Um, each week so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. I wonder if you've got an experience here, Phil, on the costs of long-term care. I'm kind of, this is a story that I've, I've said before in a previous podcast, but I thought I'd go over it again, mainly because we, we might have some new listeners or somebody that's maybe just tuning into this episode because it's maybe more relevant to them. But when, when one of my relatives died, they actually changed our will after her death. So her half of the family home went to her children. And then when her husband ended up in a, a home, the council could then only get half the value of the house. So so that's like, again, things like changing a will after someone's died is, is a wee bit more complicated, but it is an option. And um, it, it, it kind of, it, I use that example really just to highlight that there are ways that people can try to, to look at. Another, another example I've got is I, I remember going to see when I used to be a, a financial advisor and um, when I was still advising, I went to see clients and her mother had ended up in a, a care home and she was being assessed. Um, I helped her fill in all the forms that, that she had to fill in. And there was a bit there about um, she, she had a, capital investment bond with a prudential. And this was one of the ones that I knew was classed as a life insurance policy as opposed to an investment. Now, had I not sat down and filled in that form with her, she would have probably have put it under the wrong section and the council would have taken that into account. Mm. Now, as it turned out, her mother didn't end up in the home for very long. She, she died soon after, which was a, a shame. But had she ended up in there in a long time and they'd put the wrong stuff down on the forms, that money could have been, been lost. Yeah. Absolutely. For, for the care. So that's a, a couple of examples I've, I've came across in the past. Just going back to um, the one where the uh, woman left her half of the home to her yep. children, presumably in practical terms, what we're talking about here, it means that when the local authority comes to assessing if dad goes into long-term care, they can only look at half the value of the house. So if it was worth 250, they can only look at 125. It depends the way that, the ownership of the house is set up. Most people will be like own it jointly. And in which case, if one dies, the house is then in the name of the other one. Now, if that happened and they then go into care, council could take the whole value of the house right. potentially. But in so, that specific instance that you were talking about there, where the, the, the kids own half of the house now. Yeah. So what, what they had to do was change like the way the house was owned so it was actually owned 50% each. Yeah. That's probably the best way to describe yeah. it. So her half then went to her children, whereas in normal circumstances, or, or the way that most solicitors will set it up, when someone buys a house, it, it's owned kind of jointly. Mm -hmm. If one was to die, it automatically passes to the, the other one. Yeah. So so there are ways that it's trying to look at all the options out there and mm. take, take professional advice on it. That That's the main thing. Well, to this bit as well, Phil, you, you find inspiration through various people that you admire and you do love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode and the cost of long-term care? Yeah, the, the quote of the week this week, I hope, I hope this is how you pronounce his name. I think it's John Hoven. But this one is, caring for our seniors is perhaps the greatest responsibility we have. 
Those who walked before us have given us so much and made possible the life we all enjoy. Oh, bless. I'm starting to feel guilty. <laughs> all, all I do is slide a pizza under the door once a week and just leave it a fed for it. No, I'm kidding. Um, right, summarising on this episode, Phil, what's, what's our takeaway? The key takeaway, I would say, is plan early. The, the quicker you plan, the more chance you can reduce your care costs or even plan for, for them um, should you end up in a, a care home. As I mentioned as well, we've got that information leaflet. I, I can post or email it to anyone. So if anyone wanted a copy, um, just get in touch and I'd be happy to, to send that out. But I definitely say the one takeaway is to try and the earlier you plan for, for long-term care and the, the costs, the, the better really. Now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please feel free. As always, uh, we can ask them anonymously if you want us to. Uh, and we'll get on to this week's in a second. Contact details coming up. It's the same address, by the way, for the info pack that Phil's been talking about on today's show. So we'll, I'll give it to you after we've done these. And I think I might slip in a question today as well, Phil, um, which just crossed my mind as you were talking about there, the idea of people getting older and their insurance policies and what they might have. Uh, I wouldn't be the first person to say that I have older relatives who have turned around to me and said, do you know, I'm sure I have a policy on such and such, but I can't find the paperwork and I don't know where it is and I don't know what it pays out. And Is there any way, and this is just off the top of my head, is there any way that you can say uh, I have an older relative, can I find out if there's anything out there that, that they've forgotten about, that they can't access? Uh, I know with pensions, there's the, the pension tracing service tries to help people with that. If, if someone's got a power of attorney, then you can kind of act on their behalf to try and track things down. It, it's worth looking. What, what you'll find is that a lot of companies will get taken over. And so you may have old paperwork. And I, I know I, I've been in financial services for over 20 years. So if someone comes to me, I might see a policy, say Peril or MPI or some of these companies. And then I might think, oh, that's now owned by such and such. Yeah. I've got the experience of that, and but most people are not. But I guess one good thing with the internet these days, you can find out a lot on online. So you can try and track down maybe certain companies if there was any old paperwork. But oh, I've I've came across folks paperwork that companies that I'd never even heard of, and then you do a bit of digging and find out that the best one was somebody that had money actually in an offshore bond it was with Scottish Widows International. We were I. I Financial advisors can fill in what's called a, a letter of authority so they can write to the companies on your behalf to try and find out what you have with them and, and things. And I remember a, one couple filling in one of these forms and they're like, oh no, that got transferred into something else. And it turned out they had 53 grand in wow. an investment they didn't even know about. Wow, sir. I remember saying to them, I was like, you've got too much money if you, you didn't know you've got that kind of things. But I, I see it a lot with, with pensions. I mean, people have often, they'll move jobs, yeah. especially nowadays, pe people shift employer a lot more. So it is easy to kind of lose track of things. And But yeah, that, that's something that, that financial advisors can try and help with, try and track down what you've got. It, the job is an awful lot easier if someone has got any paperwork with right. policy numbers and things. So, okay. no, Just something that crossed my mind there. It yeah. seems that like we're talking about long-term care. Sometimes these things come into play. Uh, right, our first actual question today comes from Nicola and Balmedi. She's got a very simple query. What's the best thing to invest in right now? $64,000 question, I know, eh? No, for, you, you're not going to expect this answer, but I'm, I'm going to say the best thing to invest in is yourself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that might sound a bit of a cop-out, but now it is. I mean, your, your health is wealth. 
I've I've lost since the start of the year. I've lost over a stone already. So I'm, I'm going great guns at the minute. Good for um, you. Just need to keep it going. That's a, the hardest thing. But with, with investing money, it all depends on what risks someone is happy to take. Also, how long they can leave the money. I've always been a great fan of a property. You've got different types of property. You've got residential property, commercial property. I've always thought residential property was was a good investment. Population's always growing. So the demand for houses in theory should always be, be rising. So, so I've always thought property was a, a really good investment. But you've got to also take into account the fact things like there, there's been tax changes for property investments. There's there's a lot of different things. I mean, property is quite an illiquid asset. So if you had money and you thought, oh, I might need that for something in a year's time, I wouldn't be recommending investing in property if, if that was the case. But yeah, it all, all really depends on what risks someone's willing to take and, and how long they can, can leave the money for. Okay. Uh, next up is David in Edinburgh. Now, he and his wife are about to become foster parents. And he's wondering if there are any extra insurance policies that he should be taking out or any existing that he should be altering. I don't know about policies, but as regards any kid, I'd buy one of those big fake sumo wrestling suits so you can just wear it every day as protective padding, along with a crash helmet until such point as they leave. Uh, anyway, um, let's see. Any extra policies or existing policies that he should be altering if he's to become a foster parent? I'm not aware of anything. If, if someone was adopting a child, then that'd be a good opportunity to, to review all their life insurance and, and sure. things like that. But for, for fostering, there's not anything that I'm aware of, but I think it, the, the fostering services would expect somebody to, to advise their, their home insurer that, that they were doing that. But um, I don't think there's any need to have specialist home insurance, but it, it, there's probably questions that you maybe want to, to kind of ask of, of them just to make sure they were, were okay with that. Sure. Would you say, uh, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far. Uh, and we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Millis. Thank you for joining us today for Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. If you feel that you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else of a financial matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or you can email him a question. He can answer it on a future show. Uh, his address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Same address if you're looking for that little info uh, handout that we were talking about earlier. Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and, and he could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Perfect. Thanks very much for, for everything, John. One one final thing that I just want to, to do as well. It, I was getting meant to mention this when we were speaking about um, like the foster parent in, but John's got an excellent podcast as well called Two Dud Dads. Um, so I thought I'd just give that a, a plug. So if, if you're a, a dad and you've got young children, that John's podcast is called Two Dud Dads. So oh, I definitely you. recommend having a listen to that as well. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. 